0: Welcome
1: to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids, a place for all things parenting. I am your host, Sue DeCaro. Today, I am pleased to introduce my special guest, Dr. Mara Leineberger. Mara believes that each of us has chosen to be here at this moment in time for a specific reason, that we're each on a mission that we choose for ourselves. Figuring out what we love, what we are good at, and how we can be of service is the engine we need to fuel a lifetime of joyful learning. She believes that school often slows down or stifles that excitement for students. So Mara is on a mission to create a global network of 100 microschools in the next 20 years to harness education toward helping amazing children to develop their highest potentials while making learning fun again. Mara is a lifelong educator, author, technologist, artist, and musician, having spent 25 years in service as a public school educator, teacher, trainer, and administrator. So welcome. So excited to have you here today. Thank you, Sue, for having me. So let's talk about school. Mm -hmm. We have seen over the last several years a rise in the obsession and the focus on testing children. Can you talk about why this seems to be an obsession and how we can actually shift this to make learning fun again
0: well okay so i mean i think there's a lot of inputs i don't think any problems that we see on the planet have a simple you know one simple answer um, that's accessible for everybody i mean um but what i think parents need to realize or need to hear and they need to hear a seasoned veteran educator say it is that the biggest problem with testing at the moment it has taken the focus away from the child um, you know the real purpose of assessment is should always be to help the adult, the educator, the mentor, whatever role the adult is playing to understand what the child knows and doesn't know so that you can help to fill in the gaps and and strengthen and grow the child, but the current kinds of testing that we have. Uh, the current kinds of testing that we're using in schools um, have been harnessed to a very different purpose. They're now being used to grade and rank schools and compare them with one another. They're being used to grade and rank teachers. Uh, They're being used to evaluate teachers and they're being tied to things like pay raises. So what that tends to do is take the focus away from the child and put the focus on something else
1: so we've lost sight of the individual child and we the have. learning process that that child actually needs in order to grow
0: and thrive. We absolutely, absolutely. And I'm not saying every teacher has or every school has. There are incredible teachers out there in, you know, on this planet, incredible schools. But as a generalization, I think we've absolutely gotten really far away from kids are the sole reason that schools were created.
1: I agree. So how can we shift this in the schools that currently are, let's call them obsessed or focused on the testing results for the reasons that you just mentioned, how can we shift this to create more focus on the actual student in the schools that we already have? I know you're out there creating lots of great schools and working with parents to do so, but in the schools we currently have that are teaching yeah, millions of children all over the world. How can we shift those? How can we change
0: the current model? Well, I mean, I think, Sue, so anything that we want to change has to come about by, you know, making changes locally um, and advocating for the things that are important for us. So if you're a parent who is really concerned about this obsession with testing and this is a banner that you want to take up... Um, you make yourself aware of what's going on in your school. You talk with your child about how they feel about testing. Um, you know, if there's a level of anxiety that your child is having regarding testing, um, you you know, you figure that out, and then you begin to have a conversation with your child about the purpose of testing, really helping your child to understand that what the tests are designed to do, whether or not that's actually what they're being used for in the school. Um, you know, as much as they can understand developmentally, your you know your kindergarten child isn't going to have as much testing, but your third grade child is probably capable of understanding that these tests, um, are supposed to help mom and dad and your teacher understand um, what you know and where we can actually help you to learn and grow, you know, more. Uh, but they're not always being used for that. The thing that sometimes comes across not on purpose. I don't think teachers are doing this on purpose, but a lot of kids feel like tests are a measure of who I am as a person and they really aren't that. Um, So I think parents can have that conversation to say, you know, the grades are here, the tests are here to help me know where I can help you, where I can teach you something that you don't know. Um, And beyond that, I'm not too worried about it. Um if, if there's problems with tons and tons of standardized assessments in your district or your building, parents can talk with um, administrators about that. But that's a step beyond. The most important thing is remember this is really about your child and making sure that your child's comfortable. And then if your child has just generalized anxiety about taking tests, um, you can learn to. Uh, do some mindful practices with your child, breathing exercises, things that the child can do to bring themselves into the present moment uh, and not be focusing on the outcome of a test, which is a a future outcome that they haven't seen yet. Um, So in a nutshell, those are the the two big things, advocating at the child's school and then giving the child um, practices, strategies that they can use to help themselves when they are testing.
1: I think that is fabulous advice for parents, and having had a parent having been a parent of a child who did experience anxiety with these standardized testing and you know often would be just falling apart prior to the standardized testing, this was a conversation, and I have no idea how I found myself having it, but i 'm so glad that I did that I had with her to help her move through her anxiety because there's so much preparation, as I'm sure you know, in schools before the standardized testing to make sure the kids do well on the standardized testing for the school and the teachers, not necessarily for the student. So the focus has shifted from learning a subject matter to rote learning to do well on these tasks. So I know that, you know, from my own experience, and I know I'm working with a lot of parents, the anxiety can be rampant for, for parents, too. How can
0: parents help themselves before they help their child? Well, again, I think you have to go back to, and this is tough. I will admit it. This is actually tough because we live in this culture that's very obsessed with data and statistics. Um, You have to go back and remind yourself what's really important. It's the daily interactions that we have with each other as human beings. Um, It's not numbers. It's not things that are standardized data i think is useful because it helps us to make big global decisions um but it really has less bearing on each each of us as an individual so so parents um you know can use the same kind of mindful strategies and the same kind of self-talk that they're going to use with their child to remind themselves you know that their interactions with their child um, having quality interactions are what are what's important Helping their child to enjoy life, to learn what they're good at, to strengthen the things that they're weak at, to find a life that's got purpose and meaning. Uh, It's not something that you do, you know, all in one step as a parent, you help your child along the road and the child grows and changes and makes mistakes. And, um, and I should actually say that's another big area that I think we could work on as parents and, and, um with our kids thinking about education, we're living in a culture where it doesn't seem like people believe it's okay to make mistakes anymore. Um, I know in the technology industry, there's a, there's a term that they use, which is fail fast. And it's that in the sort of design and construction cycle, um, people who are innovating want to have failure happen because they want to know the weaknesses of the systems or the products they're building. Um, And so, creating something quickly having it fail you begin to understand where the changes need to be made i'd like to see us get to that kind of thinking around education and help our children to understand that failure is not a measure of you as a failure it's just a measure of this is something that i don't understand this is something that i can improve upon
1: and I agree wholeheartedly. I work with parents worldwide that struggle with this, allowing their children to make mistakes and being okay with it, allowing their children not to do well in the subject matter and not to panic. Where will my child go to college? Learning takes place through mistakes. I totally agree with you on that. It is such an important, uh, I, I think, item or an important focus to keep in our minds as we raise these beautiful spirits our unique child children to, to grow and they grow through the learning process of what they didn't do well as well as what they did. So I think that that is such beautiful advice. I'd love to talk a little bit about these schools that you, these micro schools that you're developing and helping uh, parents and individuals to create worldwide. Can you talk a little bit about what a micro school looks like? and how that develops. I I think it's really important for us to bring that out.
0: So the one caveat I want to give to people is, um, you know, I'll I'll get questions from educators and parents about um, taking resources away from public education. Um, I'm actually not advocating for people to open charter schools, which do take precious resources away from our public schools. I think um, we need to have that, we still, we're not ready to have the big system of education go away yet. So, but what I do know, having been in public education for a long time, is that system didn't actually serve me as an educator. It didn't feel good um, to, to be so constrained by curriculum and assessment, um, testing demands, uh, scope and sequences of content that I had to teach. Um, I had many kids who, if that didn't feel good to either, and so I began a search to figure out, you know, were there other things that we could be doing? Were there other ways that we could support children's learning that would feel better? Um, you know, you're, I'm sure many of your listeners know about Montessori schools, Waldorf schools, um, democratic free schools. There are all kinds of innovative um, schools out there that use different kinds of models, really which are much more child-centered. Uh, the micro-schools movement, though, <clears throat> is fairly new. It's about, I would I'd say at this point, so it's maybe 10 years old. Um, it comes out of all of that rich um, child-centered learning that that John Dewey got people started thinking about about 100 years ago. Um, and uh, it's actually not a new idea at all. Micro-schools are basically the one-room schoolhouse of the future. So they're small, multi-age grouped. Um so, you'll have kids of varying ages there. Um, the instruction that happens tends to be very individualized based on the specific needs of the child, and more so now based on the interests of the child. And through the use of technologies, we now have the ability to provide a child with almost instant access to anything that they're interested in learning about. So, the role of an educator or a learning facilitator or coach, whatever you choose to call it, in a micro school is more to become a guide to learning, helping, helping a student to find the resources and the content and, the, and to build the knowledge that they need about around any topic that they're interested in and to make sure that that all aligns with whatever the local regulations are regarding the content that kids are required to cover every year.
1: Wow, that's that's beautiful. And to see each child in such a unique way by tailoring the education to their
0: interest is enormous. I mean, what a gift to a to a child and to yeah. children worldwide. Well, you know, our parents globally have been doing this through homeschooling for quite some time. Right. And that movement has really grown and it's expanded out. We've got parents now who are taking their kids on the road and there's a whole movement called the road schooling movement. We actually have parents who are doing that on a global scale. So they're working digitally, remotely, and they're traveling with their families. And that's the world schooling movement. So those are all things people can look into. Um, But what happens is, you know, with those things is um, the homeschooling movement, People want community. The adults want community. The kids want community with other kids. So they tend to come together and create cooperatives to have kids collaborate and cooperate together to learn together. Um, There are people who who want a little more time together than those things can usually offer. And that's really where um, micro schools come into play. The way that I look at it is, wouldn't it be really amazing to have a hundred micro schools globally. And so if you were choosing to travel with your student uh, and you wanted them to still be having access to other like-minded, um, self-directed students, you could drop into a, a micro school, you know, in that remote location where you're traveling to. And that's really the vision I have for, um, helping people build schools all over the globe and then connecting them together so that, um, you could travel and say maybe we want to spend 6 months in France and so we're going to find the micro school that's in France and we're going to move to that that area and do our work there and the child gets to participate in the micro school in that in that location while I'm there working i love that it's like a
1: membership you know like having a membership but being able to drop in to wherever you need to go. Uh-huh. And what yeah. what a beautiful way to educate children. Mm-hmm. And I I know many of our listeners may agree with me many parents have struggled with the school systems that we have in place currently. Some have, of course some haven't, some love it. Mm-hmm. But those that have struggled sometimes find that they don't have another view or another option in mind, and that maybe they're not aware of all these other things that are out there for them to choose for their student and their children, and therefore they homeschool. So I know a lot of people that have turned away from the organized learning that we're seeing and the the testing to get back to that and the obsession with that and the way their students are being taught and gone to homeschooling because they don't necessarily know of these other options that are out Mm -hmm. there. And I think, you know, one of them being these micro schools, which I'm learning more and more about. And what a fabulous opportunity for people to really see there are other opportunities for your Mm -hmm. children. There are other ways for them to get an education that serves them. My daughter, Mm -hmm. my oldest daughter, struggled immensely in school and really hated it. And I'm sure there was another way that I could have given her an amazing education that worked for her, it definitely wasn't homeschooling for me. That, didn't, that wasn't entering my mind. That wasn't something I was willing to entertain. But I think a micro school or even a Montessori school or something else that was centered on her needs would have been mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. and taken away from the I hate school to maybe some sense of enjoyment and love for the curriculum or the uh, way she was being taught, the mm-hmm. more child-centered focus.
0: Well, you mentioned Hating School. My first book that I wrote, Sue, was, a, was all about that. Um, and it's a book for parents. It's called Help My Child Hates School, An Awakened Parent's Guide to Action. So I'm sure this speaks directly to your listeners. Um, it's available on Amazon. Uh, you know, people can contact me to get it, but it's, it's up on Amazon, both digitally and in, in, in paperback. And it walks parents through figuring out what's going on with their child related to school, um, makes them aware of all of the options out there and basically helps them to figure out what is the thing that my child needs and how can I help them to get that. I think that's beautiful. Where were you
1: (laughs) 15 years ago? Well, it was Uh, funny.
0: I didn't expect to write that as my first book, but that was the book that wanted to, to happen. I've been thinking about these small schools as a new option. Um, And that's actually what I wrote about in my second book. But it, you know, I realized when I started to think about this people, as you said, there wasn't an awareness on the part of parents. Um, There is this mindset out there that, our children must go to school. it's really based on the notion that we have compulsory education legally in the United States. Your children are required to begin to go to school usually around age five and to remain in school until age eighteen. They're required to be in a chair in a school in usually around one hundred and eighty days, seven to eight hours during that day um, and legally if you don't you know if you don't have your child there legal action can be taken against you that has created a mindset that that's the only way that we can do things that that you know my child must go to the public school that's in my neighborhood where i live and and we don't really think about it we don't have any second thoughts about it whether or not that school is the right location for our children whether or not our children enjoy being there um, I think, I don't, I'm not sure why we still are carrying this mentality of, um, I didn't like school, nobody really likes school, um, we just have to put up with that. I, did, I had to go to school, so you have to go to school. That, that isn't really working, and I think our kids today know that that's not a truth, and a lot of the misbehaviors we're seeing are actually kids acting out um, you know, against that mindset that I have to do this. That there is no other option. And because my parents had to do it, I have to do it too. Kids, I right. think that's a lot of baloney.
1: I agree. And you mentioned two things I just want to circle back to. Mm-hmm. The right school and enjoy school. So the right school for, the, for your particular child, yeah. which if you have three or four children in your family, they each may need a different type of school yeah. that serves them in their learning to be able to enjoy it. And you know, for me, I had one child, I still have them, obviously, one child who loved learning and still loves learning, and one child who did not love learning in the way in which she was being taught. So I think the, that's such a key point is look at your children. And see what your children need, what your children are experiencing. And I love the book, Help My, uh, help My Child hate School. I think for our listeners, definitely take a look at that on Amazon. And certainly if that speaks to you in reference to your child and your child's way of learning and the options that might be out there for you, start to, to research those so that you can help your child to really grow and thrive and reach their highest potential. focusing on them. So I would love to invite people to visit your amazing uh, website. It is gomarilinaburger.com and there's all sorts of resources there that you can have access to as well as connect with Mara and learn more about how you can make some changes to support your child in a better way so that learning can be fun and your child can thrive in an environment that suits them. So, Mara, are there any parting words of wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners before we wrap up?
0: You know, I would really just like to remind them, I think that you probably talk about this a lot, Sue, but just remind them that each one of our children are are a unique individual, Um, you know, when we're raising them at home, we don't always make them wear the same things, eat the same things, do the same things, have the same interests and activities. And yet when they go to school, we ask them to do that. So um, I would ask your listeners to really consider looking for um, a learning facility of any kind or a learning option for your child that allows them to be the unique individual that they came here to be. And if that includes, uh, if there's nothing in your area that can do that for your child and you're not interested or you don't want to do it alone, uh, you are interested in helping your child have an education or interested in helping other kids, then consider opening a micro school in your area or supporting the opening of micro school in your area.
1: I think that's beautiful. And connect with with Mara. Again, it's GoMaralinaBurger.com. If you'd like to learn more, connect, gain some resources, and uh, look at the micro schools in your area or develop one. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been an honor and a pleasure having you here and having this conversation. Thank you, Sue. I really enjoyed it. And thank you for joining us. Remember, every moment is a new moment for Conscious Connections thanks
0: for listening to Conscious Parents Thriving Kids. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review at iTunes or wherever you listen in. And be sure to visit DeCaroParentCoaching.com for a free download of 10 Ways to Connect with Your Child.